This episode of Literary Treks is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 150,000 titles for your desktop or mobile device. To get a free audiobook of your choice, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. Also, help us keep Star Trek discussion coming to you each day by becoming a Trek FM patron through Patreon. Get access to exclusive content and become part of the team. You'll find all the details at patreon.com slash trekfm. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash trekfm. Hey everyone, I'm Rod Roddenberry and you're listening to Trek FM. books? I thought I'd take some light reading, in case I got bored. Welcome everyone to another episode of Literary Treks, our dedicated books and comics show. I am one of the hosts, only one, Matthew Rushing, but my other part, my other half for this show, up there in Canada, how's it going today, Dan? Hey Matthew, uh, doing pretty well. Uh, happy to be here again. Uh, having a really, and I know we always seem to talk about the weather at the top of the show. I don't know why that is, but man, we are having a mild winter. It just got really warm here and, uh, I feel like we're going to pay for that soon, but enjoying it. Which is funny because the Northwest of the United States is this week getting hit with a lot of rain and in the higher elevations, it's snowing a lot. So completely different. Um, yeah. <laughs> But uh, luckily, um, you know, live far enough. Well, not luckily, but everybody else would be like, uh, yo, you won't get snow, but, you know, I'd like to have some snow. So anyway, yeah. I should just drive to the mountain when I get a chance and go play in the snow. So <laughs> there's well, Matthew doing snow angels. Up exactly. In the <laughs> exactly. That's exactly what I want to be doing. So uh, doing uh, snow weeping angels, that kind of thing. So <laughs> nice. Um, but uh, yeah, um, it's a slower week for us. There, uh, we were scouring the interwebs, and there was not any news to be had really about any books or comics coming out. Which is okay; it happens. You know, we got a huge deluge of news in the last few weeks with book covers and new blurbs and everything. And I have a feeling, you know, maybe that might happen once more uh, throughout this season. As uh, we move closer and closer to the new year and all the new books coming out soon. So, mm-hmm. but uh, we do have some, I, I, we're going to have a lot of fun tonight. We're going to talk about Who Killed Captain Kirk, the comic series there by Peter David. But um, before we do that, Dan, uh, let everybody know where they can find us online and how they can contact us. Well, Matthew, uh, you can find us online at trek.fm, and there you'll find all the various podcasts under the Trek FM banner. Uh, We've got podcasts from every corner of the Star Trek universe, and of course from beyond with your 602 Club. Uh, If you want to get a hold of us, there's a form online at trek.fm slash contact. Uh, Voicemail, you can look in the sidebar of the show page. Uh, Or you can go to speakpipe.com slash trekfm, and we'd love to hear a voicemail from you guys. Uh, Twitter, our handle on Twitter is at trekfm, and you can find us on facebook.com slash trekfm. 
And of course, we also have the Babel Conference on Facebook. Uh, just type the Babel Conference into the search field on Facebook or go to our website at trek.fm and click discussion on the menu bar. And there we have all kinds of discussions about a myriad of Star Trek topics and a lot of Star Wars and other topics I'm noticing coming up recently there. So anything you want to talk about, we've got it going on there. It is a listener-only group, so just uh, click on there to ask to join and we'll let you right in. And of course, uh, for Literary Treks, we're a little special. We like to think so anyway. We've got our Goodreads <laughs> yes, group. Yes, we do. <laughs> <laughs> our moms say we're special anyway. <laughs> that You know what? Uh, and she still says that every once in a while. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> it never hurts to hear. Uh, but yeah, we've got our Goodreads group. Uh, and there you can find our bookshelves with all of our previously covered books, as well as books that we're currently reading. So you know what's coming up for future episodes. And of course, there's always great conversations happening there about the books and comics. Uh, just go to Goodreads and search Literary Treks and you'll find us right away. Well, Dan, uh, as I mentioned uh, before, we uh, let everybody know where they can find us, uh, which hopefully people will contact us. We love that when we hear about what we do uh, here on the show. So I really appreciate all those that do that and, you know, leave us feedback on iTunes and reviews and all that stuff. But we're going to be talking about something fun. You know, I always enjoy when we look back at old comic series and, uh, you know, I, I feel like the pinnacle of episodes that we've ever done on that was probably when we had Tristan from To the Journey on to talk about some Voyager comics. And <laughs> we ended up, that show was named Tuvox Remedial School for Badasses or something of that nature. So, I mean, yeah, these old comics can just be very, very fun. And I'm excited to dive in with you tonight. Um, about Peter David's Who Killed Captain Kirk. And one of the cool things that you can find, uh, and, and in fact, I, I do have to mention, and I don't know how long it's going to be going on, but uh, Comixology has been doing a great sale with uh, a lot of the Star Trek titles that they have up to 50% off. So I was able to actually get this that we're going to do right here, this series, uh, in their classic run, um, all of them are five ninety nine right now, so you can get mm. all five of them for five ninety nine each, which is a really good deal. And and honestly, what's kind of fun is uh, we have talked about a bunch of these. So um, you know, if you haven't read the Gorn Crisis or the Enemy Unseen, or uh, you know, if you haven't read the Voyager one, the Encounters with the Unknown, or what we're going to talk about tonight. Who Killed Captain Kirk? Be sure to check that out. Um, I love digital comics, and uh, these are fun sets. Uh, even if you spend some of the time laughing at them, totally worth it. So, um, jumping right in, the first issue is called Aspiring to be Angels, and... This is a this is a really interesting episode. Even just the way that it the it starts is an issue. We are on a planet, and there is the weirdest looking Klingon I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I immediately, you know, when I first read this, I was kind of trying to remember when it was written at first because I was thinking, oh, a Klingon with white skin. Is this the origin story for the albino? Wait, yeah, no, no, this is this is way before that. Never mind. So that would have been so awesome. <laughs> I was like, then as I was reading, I was like, is there a way to tie this in? 
because that would be really but nah not really <laughs> yeah he's a little short to be the albino unfortunately yeah yeah especially yeah you find out he's actually a you know a full adult this uh, strange little klingon we meet uh who definitely doesn't look like the klingons we uh we're familiar with for sure um yeah it was a really interesting way to kind of jump into the story you're wondering what's going on what's happened here uh it's clear he's kind of a survivor of you know this world that must have been attacked and uh yeah we're just kind of thrust right in here uh wondering what's going on well and it is a it's a a great way to start the story because you have this Klingon world that's been attacked and, you know, you jump to the Enterprise where you, you find they're having a, a staff meeting about it, of course, <laughs> and uh, talking about uh, what's happened there and um, they're talking with their resident Klingon, Kon, I think, Kon, Kon, Konom, Konom, Konom. Kadome, yeah, we'll call him Kadome. Uh, and uh, which, what's really interesting is this whole staff meeting. All I'm wondering is why does Kirk have a bandage around his head? <laughs> I was wondering if he's just come from like a, you know, a screening of the Karate Kid and he cosplayed to it or something. I'm, I'm not sure here. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, it's uh, that, or you know, maybe he had been jogging. Oh, around yeah, yeah. you know uh the the ship and just you know forgot to take his headband sweatband off so <laughs> very very 80s workout gear here by the yeah. looks of it <laughs> <laughs> um well and, and and so they 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 do the whole conference meeting and everything and then what's fun is they they have this great little scene where they're talking about Konom's bachelor party that they had and Kirk pulls aside Scotty McCoy and Chekhov and he bans them for booze for a month because they all spiked the pot. They all spiked the punch with scotch, Romulan ale, and vodka. So apparently this is like <laughs> a long space iced tea. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, that was great. And especially the vodka <laughs> to check on. Yes, yes. I, I like that Kirk actually says vodka. It was, it was very nice. Um, so... Yeah, this is, uh, you know, it's an interesting start. And then, you know, we jump to the planet and we find an Andorian and two other aliens that I don't know what the heck they are. And they're a part of this renegade crew. And, man, the way they kill this Klingon that they find oh, is yeah. just horrible. I mean, horrible. Yeah, no, they basically, the the huge alien member of this of this group here, throws him up in the air over his head uh, while the others use him for target practice, which is pretty horrific uh, and, you know, very well depicted on these pages here. It's it's horrible. I mean, they throw when they throw him up in the air and he just explodes. It's like the, 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 the panel says, Kersplat! Like, it's just... <laughs> Oh, all you're imagining is body parts raining down you. It's, it's very graphic. So... Yeah. Um, then we kind of get into the storyline that's going to follow us all the way through that Kirk calls Bearclaw into his office and tells him, look, um, you're done, pretty much. Uh, those bigoted comments that you made while you were drunk at the party, uh, 
yeah, that's the last straw. Uh, you know, mm. it's definitely the straw that broke my my patience, and and so uh, it's a you know it's interesting. We we've seen this before because Bearclaw had some serious problems with Konome, uh the first time that we've seen him in the Peter David comics that we'd covered beforehand, and so it was interesting to see that thread continue. That this is a character who just can't seem to rein it in when it comes to, I mean, his racism. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was really interesting to see, uh, you know, a character like Kirk to kind of see what it takes to get him to the point where he tells someone that he's done with them and not giving them any more chances. Uh, you know, it, it's it's kind of you know he's a hero to a lot of Star Trek fans, so I think a lot of Star Trek fans would be standing there with Bearclaw kind of imagining having disappointed this person who's larger than life and and uh the effect that it has on Bearclaw and how it it continues through these issues here you can really tell that like this is a very transformative moment that you know really dictates a lot of of what happens from here on out and uh it's it's kind of equal parts um justified and heartbreaking if that makes sense because man you you feel it you feel like you've really disappointed kirk here and it's it's kind of tough to read well and and it is really interesting too because you know we talked about last week on the show about kirk and his prejudice and it hasn't come to fruition here because we haven't seen star trek 6 yet but the way that Kirk kind of lectures him about this bigotry and all is is really interesting when you take that into account. So it's one of those things that just doesn't jive with what we know of the rest of Star Trek. Um, mm. But it is it is very interesting, and especially since Kirk has a Klingon crew member on his ship, uh, <laughs> you know, really makes Worf seem a whole lot less special. And Konom gets told no a whole lot less than Worf, too, so... Mm-hmm. I kind of wonder, like, you know, if Konom had actually been part of the crew and, you know, was in the movies and that kind of thing, when they're all watching the trial on the bridge in Star Trek 6 yeah. and they play that recording, I've never trusted Klingons, and I never will. Yeah. <laughs> hey! <laughs> I never tend to forgive them for the death of my boy. Exactly. Um, <laughs> well, the Enterprise beams down its crew right before this very interesting looking Klingon is about to get murdered in the same exact way that we saw these pirates do and they end up saving him and that's when the Enterprise comes under attack from what they call in the comic a reliant class vessel (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, but not before a very strange interlude on the bridge I just need to mention where Mares comes on to Sulu (laughs) awkward yeah, and, talk about know, workplace sexual harassment, <laughs> right? Yeah, so Sulu's sitting at the helm, and Mares is at navigation, and she's kind of tickling Sulu's neck with her tail here. Now, keep in mind, Spock's sitting right behind them for all of this, and just doesn't seem to have any problem with this. Uh, you know, that sort of behavior on the bridge—that's fine. Seriously. I, I just I need them to sit down and watch those really cheesy sexual harassment videos that everybody has to watch when they get a new job because that's exactly what needs to happen right here. This is <laughs> this is just 
I would say after reading New Frontier this year for the first time, this is just kind of classic Peter David. He kind of seems to like everybody to shack up with everybody on the <laughs> ships that he writes. It's just kind of par for the course for him. Yeah, definitely. And those uh, those sexual harassment videos, they kind of really came about in the 80s and 90s. So I feel like this is, you know, maybe some corporate executive somewhere read this and was like, this is a problem. I need to tackle this. Yeah, this exactly. Well, this issue kind of uh, takes an interesting turn because it goes from that to really serious where uh, the Enterprise is engaged with this Reliant class vessel, as we all know, Miranda class. It wasn't named that yet. And it is actually outclassing the Enterprise, which is very strange. And it has these, has a cloaking device and all of these things. So they end up beaming up Kirk and, and the pirates and his crew to their ship. They put them in spacesuits and then they beam them in the space so that they can get away from the Enterprise. But strangely enough, the captain is somebody of this pirate vessel, somebody that Kirk thinks he recognizes. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it's definitely really interesting because it's left a mystery uh, as to who this person is. It's it's not something that's going to get solved until the very end of this whole book, which is kind of strange with the way that the storyline kind of flows (laughs) through these it's it's sometimes it feels haphazard but i am at least glad that we get some answers to the big mystery that they do set up in these first two uh issues really um and yeah i i i'm i was worried as we were i was reading through i was like are we Mm -hmm. going to get an answer to this yeah, it felt like the storyline concluded. So I was like, uh, but we don't know anything about this. But yeah, no, like you say, I'm really glad that, you know, we will pick this up uh, later on in a, in another issue further on in this collection. So uh, yeah, that was a big relief, definitely. And then we have another Klingon ship that shows up here and Kirk tells them what happened. They don't believe it. Um, they see this runt and they tell them that this... Klingon, this strange-looking Klingon they found is actually a human-Klingon hybrid, and mm. so which makes for an interesting discussion later on for Konom and and his lady Nancy uh, as they are engaged now. So, um, but uh, it is it is really interesting because this. I mean, what's really strange about these comics is that. Is if you're reading them like we are here with this digital copy, they really just kind of flow right one into the other. And sometimes mm. it's even hard to tell where a new issue begins because this is for me. I like these first two. I just, I went right into, I blew past the fact that I was actually going into a new issue. Yeah. Yeah. It took me till about the third issue in this collection to really start noticing the the little page numbers in the bottom corner, the little tiny, tiny ones there. But yeah, like, uh, you know, each new issue does have kind of this big two-page splash page. But, you know, if you're not paying attention, sometimes it's the second page in to a story. Sometimes it's, you know, the fourth or fifth because it's got this kind of extended, you know, if it were a TV episode, it would be the teaser before the opening mm-hmm. credits. Yes. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, it's kind of interesting that it flows together so well like that. But at the same time, yeah, it was... Uh, 
oh, we're in a different story here. Okay, I didn't realize that. Well, and moving into this issue, I mean, we, we get this whole thing where it, it's kind of weird because the issue starts with the Miranda-class vessel attacking the Klingon ship that had showed up at the end. And this captain and his ship, it, it almost reminds me of the way the Sona we're on uh, their bridge, you know. He's like drinking, smoking a cigar as they're firing <laughs> on this Klingon vessel. And no biggie. Uh, and then it it just stops and moves to the Enterprise, which is very odd because then we run into Bearclaw and the woman that he has kind of had this relationship with, and she's trying to get you know what happens, and he doesn't want to tell her and he just runs away and so um yeah it's it's really strange and then of course as he's running down the hallway to get away from everybody he runs into all these klingons <laughs> who are now on the enterprise which that's i got to ask you this question do you ever find these confusing a little bit yeah it kind of there's a lot of jumping around that uh you know, with with limited uh, um, limited space in a comic to tell the story, I guess, you know, they're they're kind of trying to find interest interesting ways to present this story. But yeah, like it's like, oh, okay, there's Klingons on board the Enterprise, and then I think back, oh, okay, from like before, I don't remember when they came aboard, and um, yeah, the jumping around's a little bit jarring sometimes. Um, I did kind of like this reveal just because of using Bearclaw and his attitude right now and that kind of thing to kind of uh, throw a wrench in there and, and make it interesting that way. But yeah, there's is a little bit haphazard to how these are put together story-wise, it seems. It, it really bothered me because, it you know, you went from this ship being attacked to this storyline with Bearclaw to these Klingons being on the Enterprise, but there's no real flow. It's just, it's very, it would be almost like if you're watching a TV show, and you know, and this is a very interesting, strange thing to say, you know when you would cut film back in the day where you actually would cut film and you would cut certain segments out? Hmm. It's almost as though like they cut a whole segment of film out that told you the transition period, and then melded together it so that you got this really harsh cut from, oh, like we're missing something. It, yeah. it really <laughs> does feel like you're missing a part of the story. It's so weird. Yeah, it, it definitely is jarring. And uh, this issue I noticed more than others, just the kind of jumps to various parts of the story. Um, you know, like we'll we'll get some stuff here with... Uh, with this small Klingon. I, I haven't said his name yet because they chose to give him the name of moron, uh, which is, you know, interesting. Okay. Uh, you know, we go from that story to, you know, kind of more with, uh, bear claws partner and Konom's, um, fiance here. And then we jump into, you know, the emperor and the president of the Federation having a conference and, Okay, when did that happen? Like, yeah, this this issue in particular, it just really seems to jump around here. Yeah. Well, and and what's weird is that the way that they make it seem 
is uh, Dr. and Conom have a really interesting conversation, Dr. McCoy and him, about, you know, uh, how this being came to be. And the doctor basically says, well, maybe a Klingon forced himself on a human woman. And, and you know, there aren't a lot of instances that we've seen in, in history of love between humans and Klingons. And he says this horrible thing of true, but sometimes we adopt pets. And like it makes it seem like that's why Nancy's running away from him. But then it mm-hmm. turns out later that she's not running away to him from him because of that. She's running away because she thinks that their child would turn out like moron. Mm-hmm. So which <laughs> terrible, terrible name, moron. Uh it's obviously that's what he was called on because on the planet he you know, he tells them, I, I, I was I was called moron, and, and that he thinks that's his name, and he doesn't realize he had been being made fun of. Right. But yeah, I, I just kind of, you remember in Spaceballs, he's like, I'm surrounded by ass. And <laughs> yeah, it just, I, I just wanted somebody to be, I'm surrounded by morons. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. But then we have, I mean, and this is, again, it goes from this kind of strange, either funny, semi-strange, serious, to this really serious conversation between the Klingon Empire, Kalis, the Emperor, mm-hmm. apparently, <laughs> there you go, and the uh, Federation President, about them trying to figure out what has happened about the, the Klingons not trusting the report that they got from Kirk about what had happened on this planet and all of that, and them finding a way to create an alliance to work together, which this was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, honestly, it, it is kind of interesting because this, I think, flows into Star Trek V pretty well with the way the Klingons are used there. Dan, I do want to correct us uh, because I, I know that there's probably some fans right now that are yelling at their uh, podcast delivery systems. Star Trek fans would never yeah, do that. Yeah, no. Uh, but uh, <laughs> this was actually written after Star Trek Six, so it is interesting oh, okay. to see that they're not taking into account the Kirk we get in Star Trek Six. This Kirk... Uh, and that's a question I want to ask you, too. Does this Kirk seem like the Kirk that we know from the films to you? Um, in a lot of ways, I, I feel like, you know, they've... <laughs> I mean, that's one thing Peter David does is he brings kind of an irreverence to the characters he writes that seems a little bit out of place. Um, you know, basically, these feel like the right characters, but kind of with this Peter David pastiche or veneer put over top of them or, or like a a peter david filter if you will that they're speaking through almost uh but for the most part i th- i think like um we'll get to a story later in this one for example that you know i think they nail certain things like dr mccoy's compassion and kirk's kind of caring for his crew and that kind of thing uh, so there's, I feel like there's a lot of hallmarks of these characters that are coming through well, but again, there's just that that Peter David filter that's been put over them a little bit here. Yeah, no, I, I think I think completely that's what's happened, and it, and it's it's interesting because they are they're a little bit different than you might normally see them, and and yeah, it's it's just it's sometimes it can be off putting, so you're just that's something to be aware of when you're reading. Uh, a comic with him he definitely has his own 
kind of take on who these characters are, but how, I mean, this universe definitely seems to fit to me within more of what we see in the strange New Frontier kind of series, you know, like it, <laughs> yeah. it fits very much within to that framework. So if you've ever read New Frontier, you, you kind of know what you're going to be getting. So it feels almost to me like more TOS than than movie era if that yes yes i i can totally see that um so which you know knowing some of the stuff that peter Peter david has said in the past that might have been a very calculated thing too because i know he's very you know kind of about the original series uh way of telling stories than uh than others yeah well and and then it's really interesting because you know they have worked out with the Klingons this uh, search pattern, and Kirk and Spock and McCoy kind of come to realize um, something, and, and it what it's going to do is to cause them to kind of break their search pattern, which they've agreed, agreed on with the Klingons, but they think they've figured out where this person is going next. Um, and it means they're going to send a shuttlecraft off to investigate and so the enterprise can continue visiting investigate in other areas and bear claw uh well he asked to go on this mission and um kurt gives him an answer says no so what does bear claw do uh <laughs> well after you know having a pity party a bear claw pity party uh, in the turbo lift, he tells one of the people, oh, we just got word your mom died, so you're off the mission, and he takes her place. Like, horrible. Yeah. What a yeah, horrible thing brutal. to say. It's kind of like, I was thinking of Kirk from Star Trek Three with, you know, the answer is no, I am therefore going anyway. Exactly. But, but with, you know, a lot less noble intentions here yes. than what Kirk had. Yes, like, yes. Uh, oh, I, it's horrible. Yeah. Like, he feels like he's going to ingratiate himself to Kirk by this, you know, noble sacrifice or something like that. But, you know, really, did, does a Starfleet officer really think that that's going to curry favor with their commanding officer? You know, disobeying an order and you know, telling a crew member that they're there someone in their family has died <laughs> so that he can go on this mission like it's just it's it's absolutely insane and you know yeah he's just digging a deeper hole and it's just baffling to me that he doesn't realize that exactly exactly and and then this is again this is where those weird cuts start to come in and and we're seeing the uh, when now it's like a pirate ship basically this what they're calling the renegade um which whether they've renamed it or it's just the renegade ship that's been taken over by pirates that used to be a Starfleet ship. It works both ways. We're seeing in the shuttlecraft, we have this really interesting conversation between Nancy and Spock where he he's coming to her and he's saying, hey, I'm trying to understand human emotions and all these things. And I noticed that you've broken off your engagement with Konom and she's she tells him why she's worried about them being able to have children basically she's worried that they're going to have a moron um <laughs> and Spock you know says basically you mean like a hybrid like me uh and mm. and then how difficult it is and and 
strip away Mic all drop. the yeah, strip away all the silliness that's happening here. The actual interesting thing, the idea of interspecies relationships, I think, is kind of fascinating, and it's mm-hmm. it's um it's done in kind of a very silly way here but the the point that spock makes is is pretty interesting and uh you know leave it to spock to Mm -hmm. really bring it to what the heart of the matter is for her and maybe the underlying prejudice that she doesn't even see um Mm -hmm. and uh i i I just uh, this was probably one of the highlights of this this issue i think I also found this like just a really interesting thing for Spock to have done here because it's pretty clear that, you know, he's not really going there in an effort to try and understand emotion. He's going there to help this crewman through an emotional problem that she's facing. And it really, I don't know, it's it's a good depiction of where Spock is in his personal life journey here that he recognizes uh, an emotional need in a in you know a fellow crew member here uh that he can help basically at at least that's how i'm reading this is that he is kind of going here to help her realize uh maybe the mistake she's making and the kind of false assumptions that she's going operating under. and i thought it was very um a very compassionate thing for Spock to do, which is, you know, a weird sentence, but it, it really kind of fits with where he is in his life here. And I thought it was mm-hmm. pretty cool uh, to have him do that here. Well, and and then the interesting thing is, is she's standing there with Moron, uh, and he mentions where the pirates said that they were going next. And so with that information, the Enterprise is able to head in that direction. And so Moron saves the day. Um mm-hmm. And <laughs> the shuttlecraft at that point lands on Omicron SETI 4, and they're searching this planet, and they run into all of these people who attack them, and it turns out they're androids, uh, and, and they're being attacked by androids. So bad, bad timing uh, for them. And then what's <laughs> weird is Bear Claw saves Konom's life during that. Uh, which is nice. But then it just jumps again to the Enterprise arriving in this system, mm-hmm. uh, the Moron coordinates, and uh, the Enterprise gets in their, uh, you know, the, the pirate ship's way, and they have a battle. The The Enterprise is damaged enough so that the pirates can beam over and they're able to subdue them. So, um, yeah, it's it goes pretty quickly, and then that's when they find out something really weird on the planet Omicron City 4, where they've found these people frozen. The captain of the ship, of the pirate ship, is also on this planet, but he seems to have been dead for a while. So, mm-hmm. big mystery. Yeah, that was kind of a fascinating... And, and this is really the moment where when the story continues from here, I was really worried they were just dropping this. Like, um, and you know, in retrospect, of course they're not dropping it. They're, they're laying seeds for this greater mystery that's going to be solved later. But it seemed really weird that, you know, we get this revelation and then we kind of don't really visit this story again for, for quite a while here. Um, yeah. It was odd. Cause you're just like, mm-hmm. what? Wait, 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 what's going to happen? <laughs> because then the next is this wedding Mm -hmm. 
So. Which is kind of cool. You know, life goes on on the Enterprise. I, I, I kind of like that one thing these comics do is kind of this, this slice of life aboard the Enterprise thing that's going on, which, uh, you know, large communities like this, people would get married and, and things would happen in their lives. So that's kind of a neat little uh, glimpse into the lives of these kind of lower deck crew members here. Right. And and this is, this is where we... Um... You know, we find out uh, after the wedding that uh, about Mares and Sulu <laughs> and actually what had happened. Apparently, they shacked up after the drunken bachelor party. Uh, so, way to go, Sulu, I guess. Um, <laughs> this this whole issue is very strange because it really it's just setting up that this uh, Castile character who has telepathic abilities is not feeling well and his race doesn't get sick um <laughs> which is an interesting characteristic for an yeah, entire species very interesting and uh, this is where i want to ask okay uh this issue uh haunted honeymoon and it moves on into hell in a handbasket okay what it turns into is them going through dante's inferno mm-hmm. what are your thoughts well okay <laughs> this is the one where I'm I'm kind of undecided on because I thought a lot of well well first of all this issue that takes place before that like it's just kind of a bunch of random weirdness that's going on and I feel like I I, I don't know what to think of this issue because now I just I just got to ask on page 6 of this issue Kirk sees um Spock Chekhov and Scotty, I think, as uh, as some different characters here. Is that Opus from Bloom County? Like, <laughs> yes, yes, it is. Yeah, wearing a Spock helmet, yes. a helmet that says mm-hmm. Spock on it. Uh yeah. <laughs> it, yeah. Well, I, I I offer that without comment. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what to say about that. Um, all right, so. <laughs> <laughs> It's 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 literally left me speechless. Like I, I I kind of stared at that panel for a good minute, going really. But anyway, so yeah, moving on to there, we go we go into Dante's Inferno, which now I'm kind of torn on this because I thought visually, uh, it was really fascinating and 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 pretty cool, and you know I'm I I really enjoy uh, classic literature and mythology like that. But I can't decide if it was, you know, a good use of high literature and mythology, or was it just gimmicky? I, you know, I I don't really see, like, it, it's fascinating and it's interesting, but I don't really see what it has to do with the larger story, and I don't see it really pay off in any way, uh, other than, you know, some good character moments. I really, really, really liked McCoy's uh, kind of overwhelming compassion at seeing the suffering of the people in one of the various circles of hell here. Uh, and, you know, I thought that was very true to his character. And and there's interesting things like that with Kirk really caring about his crew as well. But overall, I don't see what the payoff is for, for doing this story. Um, I, I think it's cool. I'm glad they did it, but I would have liked to see it tie in thematically more somehow um you know and there was some potential there with bear claw 
and that one scene we see of him and we don't know if it's actually him or just a, a vision of him but I, I feel like more could have been done there and it just feels overwhelmingly like a bit of a wasted opportunity I, I don't know what did you think of that ah um I don't I don't think I'm going to be as kind to it as you are. Um <laughs> one because I think the issue is so easily figured out as to what's causing this. It's so telegraphed. It's just terrible. Um mainly because it reminds me of the Deep Space 9 episode with Luxana and her mm-hmm. telepathic abilities uh affecting everyone on the ship, you know, like causing Kira and Bashir to find each other and could, you know, undeniably attractive and kissing all the time you know there's the all of that stuff and then you're right there's absolutely no redeeming value to this in the sense that it doesn't have anything to do these two issues have nothing to do with the storylines that are going on and none of this will continue through the only thing that continues through is that those characters got married Colnom and Nancy that's it Otherwise, <laughs> the rest of this is just absolutely ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, I have no problem with Star Trek using high literature, but again, it it doesn't really, it just doesn't do anything. It's not going anywhere. You know, Star Trek when it uses high literature, it's usually, uh, well, obviously in Star Trek Two, we're talking about Moby Dick and and using mm-hmm. that reference and. Uh, we do the same thing in First Contact. So, um, you know, there's other places where they've used ideas from Shakespeare and the original series and things like that. And, of course, obviously in Star Trek Six, all of the references to history and Shakespeare, uh, fantastic. So you could do it to great effect. Uh, just here it doesn't mean anything. I mean, it, it's just literally a waste of two issues because it's not telling, it's not furthering any of the storylines. And I think that Mm -hmm. to me is just like, I I mean, if I'd never read these issues, I wouldn't have missed anything except for them getting married. You know, it's Uh, it's like a field trip through Dante's Inferno with no real, that was never real anyway. Yeah. Like (laughs) that's the other thing. Like none of what they experience is real at all. It's all of this. (sighs) Shared psychosis because of this character Castile and his telepathic abilities. It's just, it's very odd. And it doesn't mm-hmm. make sense why they're all experiencing the exact same thing either. That's the other thing. That doesn't make sense. Everybody should be in their own personal, I think, uh, hell, for mm-hmm. lack of a better term, you know, uh, going through their own thing. And that would be even more interesting because kind of in the same way that. Cisco and Dax, when they arrive in the Celestial Temple the first time, they're seeing two different things because of right. their perspectives and, and how they arrive. She arrives happy and he arrives morose. So they see two different things. And yeah, I don't know. I just, the, the less said about this is the better. Um, <laughs> I, think. I, I think the best thing to come out of that issue, and it, it almost feels like the whole issue is made just to make this joke. And it's that Konom and Nancy are in their quarters on their quote-unquote honeymoon. And they're so into their honeymoon, read that as into each other, that they completely miss that this has happened. And I I do enjoy at the very end, they knock on the door. They're like, yeah, you guys experience anything weird? Everything okay in there? And they're like, yeah, no, we're, we're 
um, we've been sleeping, and when we've not been sleeping, we've been, ah, uh, yeah, okay, all right, just checking, carry on. Yeah. <laughs> when that's the best thing to come out of that issue is that kind of, you know, little bit of a laugh there. <laughs> yeah, the less said, the better. Well, and the next issue is is the one where the story really kind of kicks off again, and it's, you're dead, Jim. Uh, mm-hmm. And Bear Claw comes in and apparently stabs Captain Kirk in his quarters. And um, then it leads to some, some very trippy scenes for Kirk seeing different things uh, from from people he knew that died, like his brother Sam and his son David, which I, I really liked. And yeah, this is where the storyline, I think, really starts to pick up steam again after the uh, the middle malaise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. There's uh, a lot to like in this part of the story. It's very introspective. I'm I'm loving a lot of the stuff from Kirk's point of view here. Uh, you know, as he walks out of sick bay, um, well, you know, behind him we see that he's still on the table being operated on, but he's, you know, leaving his body. It seems here whether it's he's actually doing that or and it's it's in his mind. We're not entirely sure, but. You know, he's seeing the crew of the Enterprise and seeing their reactions and that kind of thing. And uh, yeah, seeing his his son and his brother waiting for him, uh, telling him to come, you know, just come towards the light over here. We'll join you. And uh, yeah, it's there's a, there's a lot of really interesting, introspective uh, stuff here. I do have to say the one scene that just really got to me was um, Uhura reminiscing about yeah 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 that that scene where she's remembering a period during the original series time frame where you know she was thinking of leaving starfleet and you know kirk comes to her quarters and talks to her um yeah i was kind of thinking and i I don't know maybe i'm reading too much into it but i'm thinking of the story that nichelle nichols always tells about wanting to leave star trek and martin luther king jr saying you can't do that and you know, like I said, maybe I'm reading too much into this part, but, you know, I was thinking of all that stuff and it's really, really touching. I actually, you know, got a little bit misty eyed there because, um, you know, the I, I love that character. I love Uhura's character. And this scene is just, you know, ah, really classic Star Trek. It, it's really, really good. No, I agree with you. And, and that's one of the things that this gives uh, David the opportunity to do here is tell these little stories with these characters of just little vignettes from how Kirk has influenced them in good ways. I, I really loved uh, Kirk and Scotty getting smashed on shore leave <laughs> and coming back to the Enterprise just just trashed. I mean, oh, yeah. I thought that was really funny. So, you know, th- this is a... a it really is. It's a great issue of um, looking at all the different aspects of Kirk and his psyche, especially when, you know, he runs into Pike and Pike tells him, you know, get off the Enterprise, get away before, you know, they, you know, this job kills you, basically. And so I, all of this, I think, is this is where the writing here is really well done so that when Kirk wakes up, you've been somewhere with the character, you know, it it gives you that opportunity to do something that you don't normally get to do, which is Mm. to allow characters to reminisce about another character and it not seem like weird. So Mm. I, I really, this is a really strong issue. 
Yeah. There's a, I, I know you haven't watched a lot of Babylon 5, but there's a, an episode, I think in the final season of Babylon 5, where one of the main characters kind of goes through a similar thing. Uh, and I, I haven't looked that episode up, so I'm not sure who wrote it, but I know Peter David did a lot of writing on Babylon 5. And uh, it's called The Long Night of Londo Malari. And this really reminded me of it. You know, he's been attacked and, you know, he's experiencing these out-of-body things and getting these insights from the people around him and stuff. And uh, it was really reminiscent of that. So, uh, you know, if any listeners have seen that episode, you'll you'll notice a lot of sim- similarities between that story and this one. Well, and that's when the scene shifts back into the next issue about... Uh, it, it, it starts very strangely because we start on Omicron City 4, where this... Uh, character is looking into what we found uh so the storyline continues there they're they're not just leaving it and uh we meet this character this this white-haired gentleman and they're puzzling through um these people that they see here uh obviously the captain uh that that had been dead for a while and then they find this woman as well who they find her just lying there naked and dead and they're not sure what's going on and then that's when they're pulled away to go to the Enterprise to figure out who killed or attempted to kill Captain Kirk. (laughs) Dun dun dun. Yeah. (laughs) Well and this is where too you know they they, Bearclaw is arrested and put in the brig and really this whole issue is about the way that the crew kind of responds to that and I thought that was really interesting, you know, because they turn on him pretty quickly, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, and it makes sense, too, I think, you know, when the captain himself says, I saw him do this. Mm-hmm. Well, I looked him right in the eye. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so it's kind of hard not to believe him. Yeah, it's, it, you know, it's it's kind of sad how quickly the crew turns against him. But yeah, like you say, very realistic, uh, given the evidence. And, it, you know, it's really hard not to hate Bearclaw at this point, because, you know, we as the readers have seen this happen, too. We saw Bearclaw stab Captain Kirk. So, it's, you know, it, it's Star Trek, so there'll probably be some kind of twist. But as far as we're concerned, as far as what we've seen, this is the man who attempted to kill Kirk. So when you were reading it, had you figured out the twist? I hadn't figured out the exact twist. I I knew that he didn't do it because, you know, why would you have the next two issues if it was that cut and dry? I had figured it out. I was like, oh, he's just a android that's been, he's just replaced him. I was like, okay. Yeah, I I figured something had replaced him, but as far as actually who it was, uh, that was interesting. Well, and not half as interesting as finding out that, Alvin, Theodore, and Simon from the Chipmunks are apparently crew members on the Enterprise, which is fantastic. I mean, I oh, can you imagine Kirk on the bridge, and then all of a sudden you just hear reverberating through the entire ship, Alvin! <laughs> Yeah, I was, so yeah, we get to this part and, you know, Kirk's been injured, so he's being wheeled around in a in a wheelchair. And yeah, there's these three crew members. I, like, yeah, it's Alvin and the Chipmunks. I don't know what's going on here. We've seen Opus. 
so yeah, we'll we'll get some chipmunk crew members too. <laughs> like that that's the kind of the thing about these stories is they really go back and forth between deeply serious and very meaningful and then just outrageously ridiculous. Yeah, stuff that just pulls me right out of the story like what is going on here? These three crew members, these little chipmunk guys are standing on each other's shoulders to be able to hit an intercom button. And, ah, man, I don't know. I have no idea what's going on here. Well, and that's when we find out who this uh, security officer is that's going to come on the Enterprise and figure out this mess. And it's Finnegan (laughs) from the original series episode, Shore Leave. Oh, how do you like that there, Jimmy boy? <laughs> That's right. Uh, and he pretends to not know Kirk so that when they go to shake hands and make up, he pulls out a prosthetic hand and gets Kirk once again. So, uh, yeah, that was an interesting thing. I just I wasn't expecting that. And it was kind of fun. Yeah, I do have to say that was that was really clever. Like I thought uh I hate to say it, but, you know, he, he sucked me in there when I thought he actually didn't remember yeah. going to school with Kirk and stuff. And I was like, oh, that's that's such a, you know, when the, the person who bullied you and stuff and they don't even remember you, that's so typical. And then, ah, <laughs> oh, man, yeah, he got me. That was good. I, th- I thought that was pretty yeah. clever. Well, uh, they come on the Enterprise and they talk to... Um... They start talking to people, and they run into this crew member who looks a lot like the woman they saw dead and naked on the planet, which that's, mm. yeah. Curiouser and curiouser. Yeah, what yeah. could it be? <laughs> huh. That's weird. She's wearing clothes, and she's not dead. That's awkward. Uh, now, the last so, time I saw her, I thought those two things weren't true. Hmm. Oh, hmm. weird. Yeah. <laughs> Eh, don't worry about it. Uh, luckily, sure it's fine. they continue to worry about it, and we do get resolution in the last issue here um, where Finnegan and uh, his consort, his his partner who has some sort of like empathic or telepathic type abilities comes in and they talk to Bear Claw and they and they don't believe that he is the one who did it. And so that's when they start trying to figure out who who done it basically and uh yeah it i mean i don't know this it wraps up pretty quickly um uh, all with a wonderful uh reunion between bearclaw and bernie aka moron uh who tells him i heard you don't have a friend i don't have any friends other than conom and nancy i can be your friend and so everybody goes aw <laughs> yeah that was that was pretty adorable um you know tugging at the heartstrings redeeming a character all in two or three panels sure yeah okay yeah it's really nice well how do you think uh, this wraps up very interestingly because all of a sudden a lot of different people start to show up in different places where they shouldn't be and it turns out that the person responsible for this is garth of izar yeah i did see that one coming yeah, I didn't see that one coming either. I mean, you know, it's it's kind of a bit of a you you could put all of the instances in the original series when you had someone that impersonated other people or uh you know, it could have been the androids from XO3, it could have been uh, you know, any any kind of shape-shifting alien we've seen 
or Garth of Izar. You know, it's got to be one of these things. And I guess, you know, Garth's, Garth's a good one. Um, I was a little disappointed because I'd always thought that his character was all rehabilitated and we get that happy, shiny ending uh, at the end of Whom Gods Destroy. Um, so that was a little bit, oh, man, you know. Yeah. But... <laughs> He was like, they tried to make me go to rehab, and I said, no, no, no. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you know, but you know, it was a it was a good um, Star Trekky ending for sure. Uh, well, you know, yeah. And then it wraps up with the whole laugh for everybody, where Kirk and Finnegan are uh, arm wrestling to see who's the best, and Kirk wins, and then Scotty. It says that he wants to wrestle, and he's like, how can you resist uh, the Irishman and the Scotsman, you know, arm wrestling? And, and Kirk's telling, you know, Finnegan, man, you better watch out. I've only beat Scotty a few times. Uh, he's he's rough and tumble, and Finnegan just wipes the floor with Scotty. <laughs> and Kirk is pissed because he's been gotten again. Uh, and that's when I love that McCoy's like, what is everybody doing down here? Who's running this ship? Get out! And he's like, well, what do you know about that? I finally got the last word again. And that's how it ends. Like, it's just so funny. It's so random. Yeah. So, Yeah. No, I, I really liked that. I liked the bits with Finnegan. I thought that was kind of a nice angle to bring into this with the kind of joking around. Like, that's uh, that's the kind of humor that I think Peter David does really well. Uh, the kind of well-crafted stuff that's not just silly and slapstick, but, you know, is a little bit more extended, has a little bit of a payoff. And, you know, just from personally, you know, I have an uncle who is exactly like Finnegan, and he drives me absolutely insane. So <laughs> I thought this was perfect. That's awesome. Well, okay, so, you know, that's all of the issues that we had and and all of who killed Captain Kirk, even though nobody killed Captain Kirk because he never actually died. I'm pretty sure it was Soren. That's what I was yeah, thinking. Yeah, I think so this. too. Yeah, he shoots him in the back, jerk. Uh, <laughs> and then they redid it, and so he just shot his bridge and he falls. So it's terrible. Anyway, let's not talk about that. It's still... <laughs> That's still, another podcast. It's still so painful. <laughs> so what did you end up thinking about who killed Captain Kirk? What would you rate this uh, collection of stories? Well, this is kind of a tough one to rate because, you know, as I think has been made clear from our talking about this, it's it's very all over the map. There are parts of this story that are really, really good and really touching and just excellent. And then there are parts that just leave me scratching my head like, what am I reading? What is this? What's going on? Uh, you know, even those parts I do enjoy. So, you know, there's that. But again, I just am left kind of wanting more because I want it to tie into the story better. Um, so, you know, those, those, those really good moments and those really great parts bring it up a bit. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's not awful. It was, it was fun to read. Um, I really like the kind of overall story. The last issue really makes up for a lot, or the last couple issues, I should say, make up for a lot in this case, because I, I love the bits with Kirk and his kind of introspective stuff. 
So I'm going to have to probably give it three and a half uh, joke prosthetic hands out of five. Nice. Well done. Um, I'm with you. You know, this is this has some strong parts to it, and uh, I really enjoy it. There, it, It's funny to me because there are parts of this that kind of remind me of the Gold Key comics. Just some of that crazy outlandishness, like having the chipmunks um, involved. Uh, that's odd. Uh, and uh, obviously not liking the Inferno part at all, really. So for me, that's that's three out of five Mores come-ons. So, uh, you know, it all in all, I think this one is definitely worth reading and it has some interesting things and I enjoy it for the most part. It's that middle point that sags, but the rest of the storyline is actually really interesting. So I, I think it's totally worth, you know, worth getting. Well, Matthew, I mean, this has been a really fun discussion, if nothing else, talking about uh, who killed Captain Kirk. And I, I think you really nailed something on the head there um, with saying that it was reminiscent of the Gold Key comics. There, there's a lot in here that just borders on that kind of level of ridiculousness. And even the artwork in some places really reminded me of that oh, yes. style of comic. <laughs> No, gosh, I'm right there with you, Dan. Um, but it, it was a lot of fun. I'm glad that you know, I love going back and talking about these old comics, you know, and getting people the opportunity to hear about them and, and hopefully go back and try them because, you know, it's it's just it's just part of the history, you know, and it, it's a lot of fun. And uh, it makes me really appreciate when we have the great comics that we do now and when they're really stellar um, and how we might look back on them 20, 30 years, uh, and think, oh my gosh, I can't believe they did that. So, uh, <laughs> you know, who knows? I, I, I'm really excited for that to happen one day and kind of share those with, you know, my kids and have them read them and be like, really? You read this? Really? That's, uh, yeah. But we get to do that because of our associate producers here through Patreon every week bringing you Literary Treks and, of course, the rest of the network. Uh, Will Wynn, Ken Tripp, Brandon Shamatula, and Bruce Gibson. We appreciate all of these guys. They really understood something really important is that we, you know, are a listener-supported network. And that means that without the grace and, and the, the support from people just like them – this network can't happen because a network of this size, it, it just isn't possible to do um, by ourselves. And so go to patreon.com slash trekfm and you can see how you can support the network and help keep all of the great content coming to you. We have some amazing gifts that we like to share with you as well, some great perks. So you'll find all of that again at patreon.com slash trekfm. I do want to remind you that if you visit us on iTunes, and we hope you will, we're a featured provider there at iTunes.com slash TrekFM. Give a Literary Treks uh, a review and a rating. That really does help other people find us in iTunes. And, you know, more than about, I would say about 80%, if not a little bit more, of all of our listeners come through some sort of Apple product and the iTunes store, which is really important. So for new people to find us, that's the best place for that to happen. And your ratings and reviews really help that happen. So now, Dan, when you're not fending off come-ons from Morass, so where can we find you? Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> I've still got these cat hairs all over my collar from her tail. Uh, it's it's a nightmare. 
Uh, well, Matthew, you can find me online. Uh, my website is www.treklit.com, and there I review Star Trek novels. Imagine that. Uh, you can find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash treklitreviews, and on Twitter at, uh, my username there is at Kertrats, K-E-R-T-R-A-T-S, and I'm also on Instagram at Kertrats47. And of course, you can also find me on the Babel Conference, uh, our Facebook group there. And Matthew, when you're not wandering around the seventh circle of hell wondering just what the heck is this all about, uh, where can we find you? Oh, man. I really... that ah, been stuck in this circle for a long time. Uh, well, when I'm not tweeting about that on Twitter at MattRushing02, you can find me Instagramming about the seventh level on Instagram at MRushing. You can also find TrekFM there. Uh, luckily, they don't tweet just about the seventh level of hell. We do all nine levels on TrekFM's Twitter, uh, on TrekFM's Instagram account. You can also find me doing The Orb with Christopher Jones, where we talk exclusively about Deep Space Nine. I do the 602 Club, which is our general geek show here on the network. It gives us the opportunity to not talk Star Trek and talk all the other geek things that we love. Uh, so check that out. It's so much fun. I really enjoy doing that show. You can also find me on my own personal blog at 42lifeinbetween.wordpress.com. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And until next time, live long and read on. You call that light reading? To each his own, number one.